Welcome back into the Illini cast and me and Sonny are a bit angry today. I mean, what a goose egg against the Kansas Jayhawks. I'm a little livid. How about you, Sonny? Uh, not as livid, but probably not as excited as I wish I was uh, coming into the episode. Yeah, I mean, I went to the game in Lawrence. I was anticipating. Oh, that's right. You were there. The- Yes, uh, I was right smack dab in the student section. There was uh, a few guys in front of me that were live betting the game because it's legal in Kansas as well as Illinois. And so they were like, don't worry, we're going to bet Illinois getting a field goal here. So at least you can feel better that we'll get some money. And then Illinois went for that horrendous fourth and one with Griffin Moore. Oh, my God, what a terrible play call that was. Um, But it was just heartbreaking because you thought that you had a physicality advantage against the Kansas Jayhawks, and that did not transpire the way that I thought and a lot of Illinois fans thought that this would end up. You know, I watched that Toledo game, and I knew, you know, their game plan was working, but I never really doubted that we were the better team. When I watched that game Friday night, I watched it with some friends of mine. At no point, during that entire telecast, did we look like we were the better team there? They were faster than us. No. They were scheming better than us. It was one of those where I couldn't even be upset at the end of the game that, you know, we gave one away because this game, you close your eyes, kick off, you close your eyes, and we're already down almost two touchdowns. Like we were almost never in it. And that's where I just, I'm just surprised. You know, I'm disappointed. And, you know, for the first time, like I'm trying to figure out if I have to kind of retarget what I thought that we were able to be capable of winning this year. Because this team may not be as good as I thought it was, but I'm sure we'll get to that in a little bit. Like, I'm sure this is going to be a bull team. Like, I I think. Like, right. um, You you saw some of the holes on the offensive line, a supposed strength going into the year, and it might be one of your weaknesses, especially along the right side of that offensive line. So I was watching, and I'm like, where's the physicality? Where's this offensive line? Where's this running game? Where's this ball control offense? Because it felt like every third play, uh, the punter was coming out. And I, I thought we'd at least get some sustained drives. I thought Barry Lenny Jr. had a very pedestrian uh, scripted play set uh, going uh, the first part of that game because I thought Isaiah Williams would get involved in the, in the screen game earlier early on. I thought the running game would at least power us to some first downs, but no, it was six plays, zero first downs to start the game, and Jalen Daniels in Kansas were just running wild on this defense. Jason Newton had a really great game, which I'm pretty happy about. The linebackers were absolutely atrocious this game because the tight ends were getting whatever they wanted in the passing game. Uh, They couldn't stop the run of the Kansas running back. And also the secondary, they were getting lost because the linebackers in front seven couldn't get home to Jalen Daniels. So you had some deep shots that probably should not have happened. And it's tough to cover, guys. I get that. But it's embarrassing whenever those kind of plays happen, especially the one that happened at the end of the first half. Yeah, that last touchdown, I think, is what kind of deflated any enthusiasm on a comeback. You know, uh, we had scored some points there, and I think we were only one score down. And just to see them come marching back with, I think there was, what, 45 seconds left or something like that in the first half and score so easily was just such a bummer to see. It's it's one of those, I think they converted on over half of their third downs. You know, it, it, yeah. I feel like I'm watching, I know you're not a fan, I feel like I'm watching Bears football. You know, it's just like your third down last year meant we were about to get the ball back. Third down, it can be third down and whatever at this point. It can be third down long, it can be third down and 12. I am glued to the TV, nervous on whether we're going to be able to uh, shut them down or not. And this is just not at all what I was expecting. You know, I mean, Jalen Daniels, don't get me wrong, amazing. He's probably one of the two best quarterbacks that we're going to face all year. And you kind of saw why. Um, You know, he was pronounced that he was going to be available just a couple hours before uh, 
kickoff and I knew it was time to be a little bit more nervous. But a lot of this was stuff was self-inflicted. Again, we get penalties where I don't know why we're getting penalties. Like this is not a team that should be getting penalties with the coaching staff that we have. Oh my god, um, that unsportsmanlike conduct was <laughs> just plain idiotic. I know Brett Bielema said it was moronic um after the game. I mean, how do you do that whenever you see the play is clearly over why are you just shoving a kansas player over it made zero sense at the time it's even more perplexing watching the game on tv yeah and you know whatever game plan we had offensively was basically thrown out the window after the first three drives because we we're already down two touchdowns you know it, it was just one of those where you know, I think Brett talked about it. You know, we had a running game plan set, but we blinked and we were down immediately. And we didn't really get a chance to utilize whatever size advantage we would have had on that line. Whether it would have mattered at this point, I don't know. Probably not. But Reggie Love looked okay. You know, Altmaier was still, you know, one of the top half uh, quarterbacks in the Big Ten. But... I'm just tired of getting punched in the face right off the bat of every single game. We got off to a slow start against Toledo. We got off to a slow start against Kansas. Now, Toledo, obviously our talent overcame that eventually. But a team that's similarly talented to us, like Kansas, we can't be giving those type of leads off because we're not, we can't overpower their talent and make that comeback. And so that's going to be the theme almost the rest of the season because a lot of these teams in the mid, uh, in the Big Ten are, about at our talent level. So if we're spotting them touchdowns, then we're in for a really long season. How many times, uh, trivia question, how many times did Isaiah Williams touch the ball in the first half? Um, I think the twice? Twice. Twice, yeah. Two times the entire half, and that is your supposed best playmaker on offense, running back, tight end, wide receiver. It's Luke Altmeyer and Isaiah Williams. Those are your two bell cow ball possession guys. And if you're only getting him the ball twice, that's not good. I don't know what Barry Lunny was thinking with some of his deep balls to start the game off. Just start running the ball. Build your identity up. You can, even if you're down 7 nothing. just keep trying to run the football. Go to run on the left side. Do a jet sweep. Do something to get Isaiah Williams more activated in the game or try to build the confidence of that offensive line instead of seeing Luke Altmaier having to scramble like his life depends on it or have these designed runs for Luke, which is going to harm his body uh, moving forward throughout the season. So I think Barry Lunny had a big-time failure in the first half, but I know Aaron Henry had the worst first half of them all. Yeah, and you know, good for him. He owned up to it in his press conference. You know, usually coordinators don't really come out with statements, but he flat out raised his hand up and said it was on him, and it was. You know, um, Brett obviously he's Brett's handpicked guy, so there's some added pressure, and now the media is going to be starting to question whether Brett had made the right move. And you know, Aaron's got to figure something out because right now whatever we're doing isn't working now moving forward i think the well outside this week the teams that we play i think will game plan match up a little bit better against so i'm hoping that will mean that there's improvement coming but aaron henry is you know he's replacing a guy who is now a head coach at another school in the same conference those are pretty big shoes to fill and right now the fan base is getting kind of antsy because this is not – I think last year we were the best defense arguably in the country. This year we may be the worst defense in our conference, and none of us foresaw that. I mean, here's what concerns me outside of Jalen Daniels and the quarterback play that Illinois has faced in Toledo and versus Kansas. Devin Neal had 10 rushes for 120 yards and a touchdown with the longest of 43 yards. That's just a running back. So I am concerned, especially in the Big Ten West, whenever, like I talked about in the preseason with you, 
that I thought Illinois had the best opportunity to run the ball and to stop the run. That is the two biggest things you can do in the Big Ten West to get ahead. There's some mighty fine running backs in the Big Ten West, and if we're allowing Devin Neal, who's a really great running back, 120 yards, uh, that it's going to be a long Big Ten West if Aaron Henry doesn't figure out how to stop the run, how to schematically change things, or to maybe put different players in the better position to get that task done. So that is very concerning to me looking forward at this Illini football team. Yeah, hopefully, you know, uh, Brett, I think, said in his conference, that press conference, that uh, Matt Bailey should be back this week. So having an extra playmaker in the secondary, um, you know, the Scott, both Scots have been great this year, in my opinion. So Mm -hmm. adding one more playmaker there, I mean, Taz just needs to stop making dumb after the play penalties. Um, you know, getting our best players back is a nice start. But, you know, as we talked about, Johnny Newton had a fantastic second game. I mean, he had two sacks. I think he could have had three or four if the quarterback wasn't Jalen Daniels. Yeah, you know, that's a nice pocket passer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and which is nice to see because he couldn't be found against Toledo. So it's, you know, it's nice to see that that presence still can be there. But overall, on a defensive side, it, it feels like we're watching a Lovey Smith team again. And that's such a deflating thing to say. Um, you know, moving forward, we're coming up against, you know, one of the best offenses in the conference. So Aaron Henry's got to figure things out really, really quick because things are only about to get uglier. Yeah, I mean these offenses have looked like a lawnmower and we've looked like blade of blades of grass as a defense. And I, I, that's a big problem. You have Keith Randolph, you have Jerzon Newton, but you need nine more guys to figure it out. And I, I don't know where those are coming from because you have a lot of true freshmen right now. You have a lot of guys that are on the non-travel roster. Um, I heard it referenced, uh, Where's that Kirby Joseph moment where there's like a new guy that pops up that maybe didn't get the opportunity to start the season and now can step up. There's not that next like sophomore or junior that you can be like, oh, yes, that's the guy. We just didn't give him a chance. And now he's uh, making big time plays in games. Uh, So there's a lot of older kind of guys who may not be as athletic as we thought. They were, and there's a lot of young guys who are just not going to be physically ready for these big-time moments, especially against the more physical teams like the Wisconsin's and the Iowa's of the world. Yeah, I mean, you know, you and I were very optimistic coming into this season, but, you know, we lost yeah. we lost three players in the top 70 picks of the NFL draft, you know, and the guys behind them may not be as ready as we wanted to believe that they were, but are the guys there? Because... We need to make that jump. You know, again, you know, a bowl game, in my opinion, has to be the floor of our expectations this year. And I, I'm still pretty optimistic moving forward that I still think we win seven, eight games. But the mood has become a little bit more somber now because now I am a little bit more stressed out on a week to week basis because I need to see the improvement. As you said, who's going to make a leap? Who's going to be that young guy that we've been hearing about who is you know, like that Matt Bailey jump last year, you know, yeah. like we had heard about him, but then you actually saw some of the plays that he was making and, oh, okay, well, who's going to be, as you said, uh, this year's Kirby Joseph, this year's Matt Bailey, um, because right now we really, really need it. Yeah, and it's just hard to find where that's coming from. And schematically, I, I don't know what the answer is. Is it getting more aggressive? Is it blitzing a little bit more? Because you saw the man coverage. There were some moments where the defensive backs, and especially the linebackers against the big tight ends that Kansas had, just couldn't handle it. Then they switched to a zone. Yes, there wasn't as many scores, but Kansas had no reason to be as aggressive, that aggressive like they were in the first half. So uh, it, it's tough schematically on what you can possibly change as well uh, with this defensive team. So that's kind of concerning as well even just more than just the personnel side of things and we need to stop scheduling power five teams in our OOC I'm tired of this I want to I want to do what every other big 10 team outside Nebraska has been doing and just uh 
try to pad some easy wins, try to feel good, <laughs> you know, two games into the season. I know we were one and one last year and uh, I guess the mood was kind of similar, but you know, it, it's just tough. I think again, Brett referenced it, you know, it's, We've outside Nebraska, who played TCU and um, Colorado, I think we've had the toughest two game schedule in our conference. Now, I think, again, I'm pretty optimistic moving forward that a lot of these Big Ten teams who haven't played the schedule that we have haven't looked that great yet. So once they're punched in the face and playing uh, teams with talent levels close to theirs, you know, we'll kind of see where they're at. Because right now in the Big Ten West, I have no idea who the clear front runner is maybe Iowa. I think that's the safe guess, but it's not like they're looking like a juggernaut or, or any sort. Third down was a huge concern, both offensively and defensively. Illinois offensively four for 10 on third down Kansas nine for 13. Yeah. yeah. Nine for 13. They could not get off the field at all. And I know there were some penalties sprinkled in there, but it, it's just crazy to think that a defense can hold up, especially whenever you're not getting off the field yourselves. Yeah. And again, right now, the offense just seems to be lacking confidence in their game plan, and they've been forced to get out of their game plan immediately, which is just tiring out the defense. You know, so it's Absolutely. just... It's a worst case scenario for for everybody, and it's just making, you know, Barry Lunny Jr. look bad. It's making Aaron Henry look bad, and you know, you've got to imagine that there's some really hard discussions going on in that coach's room right now, because, again, it didn't. It's still one and one. Don't get me wrong. We were one and one last year, and we rattled off you know uh, six more wins in a row, um, but there's we don't have that talent level that we had last year. So some schematic changes are going to be needed to be made. And hopefully, you know, we have the coaches in place that are able to make it. I think if you're talking just about incremental steps to showcase that you are improving, I think if I was Aaron Henry and Brett Bielema and Barry Lenny Jr., I would say, listen, guys, Penn State, let's just be – the more disciplined team. How about you beat them in penalty yardage, at least? That is one goal that I think Illinois should have in the next game. They had six penalties for 58 yards. Kansas, four penalties for 34 yards. So if Illinois can just showcase that they're a little bit more disciplined team, I think that would showcase the fans that's like, hey, improvement's coming, even if Penn State does showcase in a loss. And I would just say let's not get browbeat at the beginning of the game. You yeah. know, you know, it's like, let's not, let's be competitive up until halftime at the very least. Cause I think we have the quarterback. And again, he showed the skills again this past week. He's legitimate. He's, I think we have a very good quarterback, but asking him to come down to lead us back when we're already down 20 plus points in the second half, that's unfair. Let's keep it close. Let's play. Brett Bielema ball, you know, let's run the ball. Let's establish the run. A lot of be, a lot of these people are, you know, talking about how we don't have a established runner this year. There's no Chase Brown. I think our running backs are okay. And you know, they did, I think they actually did okay against Kansas too. It's just, they never got the opportunity because our game plan was thrown out the window as soon as we were down a couple touchdowns. So, yeah. you know, I, for me, it's just, let's show that Illinois can still play Illinois football. Let's keep it close up until half. And then let's, you know, let's let Luke try to, you know, work his magic. And because for, I think pretty much for the rest of the schedule outside next week, we might have a better quarterback in every single one of our games. And that I've never said before as an Illinois football fan. Agreed. <laughs> I mean, Reggie Love, Josh McCray, and Caden Fegan only had 13 total carries for right. that running back group. That's not Brett Bielema. That's no. not no. what his identity is. That's not who he – that's not how he builds rosters. It's not how he builds game plans. And the fact that earlier on in the game, Barry Lenny Jr. and the game plan that he had, I, I just didn't agree with it. 
I, I didn't agree. Like you had that first long run to start the game. I think it was like eight yards or so. Mm-hmm. And then I don't think I saw another running play for quite a while. And number one, that was because of penalties as well. So I think it, it was twofold. Barry Lenny Jr.'s game plan and the penalties that piled up on Illinois. And then in this in the at the end of the first half, you just had to try to play bombs away because again, you were down so many points because that defense was a sieve on defense. Yeah. Just, you know, just, you know, it's what, four days later, still not in that much better of a mood. The only thing I'm optimistic about right now, as I kind of alluded to earlier is the big 10 West isn't exactly running away. So I do like the, our chances still as it's all going to start in that coach's room though. You know, as long as they can make the adjustments, they can, you know, there's no way you can send out those same five guys in the offensive line again, because it's just not working. It wasn't working against Toledo. It wasn't working against Kansas. It sure as heck is not going to work against Penn State and that beefy um, Big Ten defensive lines that we have coming up. So, you know, what's the move? I don't know. I'm, I'm not exactly a X's and, X's and O's guys, but there's a reason Brett hired Aaron Henry and Barry. So, that's what they're paid to do, and hopefully they're able to figure it out. Yeah, Illinois receiving. I thought a bright spot, at least in this game, was Griffin Moore. He had four receptions for 56 yards. I thought he had a really great game, and I'm glad to see that the tight ends are getting a little bit more involved in the receiving game, and that's much needed, especially if you're going to have Pat Bryan, who had the two touchdowns against Toledo, only get one reception for two yards. So the inconsistency of the receiving group, I know it's only two games, so it's hard to say inconsistency, of course, but you would like to see a true number one style receiver alongside Isaiah Williams uh, on that group. Yeah, Griffin was probably our second best player on offense last week. You know, like he he made some plays. um, That fourth and one play, I think, you know, we can all wish that Mm, we could redo that one. Barry. But apparently they've been working on that one for a while. Um, it didn't look like it, but, um, you know, I, I just feel like you can almost tell as soon as he stopped under center that the defense kind of figured out what they were going to do. I wish they had audible something out of that or just called a timeout or something because I could see it and I'm dumb and I'm watching it on TV. Sure as heck, the Kansas defensive linemen and the linebackers knew what was coming. So it's fourth down make an adjustment, call a timeout, call something else. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we've been hearing about Griffin Moore. He, he, um, you know, uh, Altmaier's talked about how he's been working with him over the offseason. I know a lot of the players really like him. Uh, he converted it from a different position. Wasn't he a quarterback or something like that before? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. So, you know, that takes a lot of hard work. That takes a lot of dedication from moving from quarterback to, uh, you know, a tight end. So, you know, the work ethic is there. And it was nice seeing him as one of the bright spots, you know, arguably one of two bright spots offensively uh, in that loss on against Kansas. Yeah, Luke Altmaier also got demolished. There was a lot of contact on on him, which which takes the life out of out of an offense as well. So I would love to have seen a little bit more protection from that offensive line. I I think you got to do something with Chrysler. I, I think he is just a weak link on that offensive line. So you got to figure out that right that right bat, that right five of that group to see if they could protect Luke a little bit better and maybe get some jump on that uh, running game. We have to, you know, our season is depending on it. Because if these guys can't get it done, you know, we, again, we can't march out the same five guys that we did the previous two games. But if these guys can't get it done, then we may just kind of have to call, call the season a wash. And we've been recruit, we've been recruiting great on the offensive line, at least big, meaty guys. Just throw them into the fire. You know, let's just, we got Luke hopefully for two more years. Let's, de- you know, let's develop this, some of the younger guys and see what they got so that, you know, if this year doesn't end up being the, you know, Big Ten West contending year that we're all hoping for, we still want our schedule just gets tougher the next two years. So let's try to get the young guys who can be a part of that next championship team ready. 
Absolutely. And I mean, you look at this Kansas team, like I'll, I'll throw some flowers on that Kansas team as well, because that's a really well coached team. They had a superior offensive game plan. Jalen Daniels in his first game after not playing against Missouri State was phenomenal against Illinois. You have an off. You have a receiver group with tight ends for Kansas that are really talented, and the defensive secondary of that Kansas Jayhawk team was way better than I anticipated. I know I talked to Brendan Dorsinski and he was raving about it, but I was like, okay, really, how good are they? Well, I saw how good they were, and they were really, really phenomenal. So I think this Kansas football team. I don't know if they were in the Big Ten West. Where do you think they would fade? Where do you? Where do you think they would place? I think, I mean, they'd be right up there, basically. You know, I, again, selfishly, biasedly, I still think we can win the Big Ten West. So I think I would place them. I think I was right about Wisconsin. I think, you know, they're not ready. They're showing that their offense is not ready. I've got a couple Badger alum friends, and they're kind of baffled by some of the way Fickle's offense is not matching well, well, well with the talent that they have. I think it would be an Iowa, Illinois, Kansas race. And with the way Kansas just boat raced us, I'd have to put Kansas right up there and, you know, ahead of us. And I, I think we beat Iowa. So I'd put Kansas, us, Iowa. Yeah. I mean, I think Kansas would win the Big Ten West. I mean, I think they have the best quarterback in the Big Ten West. Mm-hmm. Their defense is pretty stout, especially in the secondary. I know they might get beat up in an Iowa game, but I think they can outscore Iowa, uh, especially with the uh, Ference meter uh, just inching along week by week by week. Hopefully he gets, or hopefully not, whatever your feelings are about that. Um, he's just trying to rise to that uh, mark that the school board set for him. So I, I think Kansas would win the Big Ten West, and I don't think it would be even close um, because Lance Leipold, he is a phenomenal head coach. He's so good. I I, I don't I don't disagree of hiring Bielema. I'm not having buyer's remorse uh, at all because I feel like Brett is a better fit for Illinois than Lance Leipold is because of his connections within the state. Uh, but I think Kansas is not going to be in the basement as long as Lance Leipold is their head coach. And I know they're getting more talent in the in the Big 12 with Arizona, Colorado, and and the likes coming into that conference, but. I think Kansas is set up for some big-time success year in and year out uh, with Lance Leipold as, as their leader. Yeah, he's the guy I originally wanted to hire uh, when I saw you know the coaching list come out. And again, I, a couple years in, I love what Brett's doing, and I think you said it perfectly, that Brett is a better fit for Illinois. Um, I think he understands the Big Ten. I think he understands how to build relationships within the state. But at the same time, it would be nice to watch that Lance Leipold offense wearing the orange and blue because that was just fun to watch. They've been fun to watch for a couple of years now. You know, Brett's philosophy is a little different. It's more Big Ten based where it's just pound, pound, you know, uh, 30 yards in a cloud of dust. It's like uh, uh, he's a great coach. I'm really happy for Kansas fans. I just wish they weren't on our schedule uh, this year and I think next year too. I mean, they made that game in 2014 and little did I know that this would be one of the toughest games on the Illinois schedule and they still have the Big Ten uh, left. Like, that is just the wildest thing to me. Um, So The quickest way way to rebuild in college football is to schedule Illinois as an out-of-conference opponent. Because a couple of years ago, we put Duke on our schedule, thinking that would be a cakewalk. But now you see what yes. they're doing with my Galco. It's like, just that's why I'm saying, Josh, if you're watching this, and I know you are, stop with the Power Fives. Just let's give us some cupcake wins, something to pad our confidence. You know, we just need to get to six wins every single year. And I need to stop being so stressed out uh, two weeks into a season. I mean, Toledo, they're probably going to win the MAC. Uh, previous games they've scheduled. They put up 70 last Saturday. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, previous games they've scheduled. Uh, you have Washington, which they got boat race both in Chicago and in Seattle. Um, so, like, it's just been 
crazy. So again, yeah, if you're another athletic director, just schedule us in 10 years and you know that in 10 years you're going to you're going to have a great football team or at least a good football team and good enough to beat Illinois or at least compete with Illinois and maybe make it within two points. So it's just crazy the unluckiness of the scheduling that previous athletic directors have made before Josh Whitman has came into the picture. Man, well, we got I know Duke in the future. I think we've got uh, Missouri's going to be back on the schedule. I mean, that rivalry should be fun, but I don't know if I want fun anymore. I think I just want to pad W's. So we'll see what how they fill out the rest of the schedules. Because uh, give me SIU, give me WIU, and give me Illinois State, and let's go into the Big Ten. Love it. Yeah, I mean awesome Michigan. That's the way that the schedule. Does, goes for Michigan. Like they don't schedule tough non-conference games at all, and they're still in the college football playoff picture. So even if they have the one loss against Ohio State, they're like, "Oh well, we're fine." Even with their weak non-conference slate, the SEC has been doing it for a decade. Yep. You know their teams don't even leave their state for their out-of-conference games. And I, I mean, know, the week before, like the Auburn Alabama game, Alabama is always scheduling like Middle Tennessee State. Or like Alabama A and M. I mean, it's just crazy. Like, like they give those paydays to those small colleges, and and they'll take their victory, and then they'll prepare for their uh, before the rivalry week. It's just it's just crazy the way that the Big Ten wanted teams to schedule, and Illinois just picked the wrong teams. Yeah, but hopefully, you know, you have to look at it from the opposite perspective too. When Kansas scheduled. Illinois on their schedule, it was a Lovey Smith team and they thought they were getting some easy wins. So see how I turn again, I'm going to stay optimistic, Austin, you know, Duke scheduled Illinois thinking they could uh, have a 50, 50 shot at wins. And, uh, we've Brett's built up a team that, you know, is far better than they were expecting when they signed their contracts too. I know we'll get into this later in the week, but what are your, reasonable expectations for this Penn State game before uh, during our preview I talked about how we had a chance of winning this game I didn't say we would but I thought that this would be Drew Aller's first challenge um, of the season which it is um, and I thought we would keep it close if it was up to me I would have kept the you know Preseason, I would have put the line at maybe minus seven and a half, minus eight. Now, coming into this year, it opened at minus 16. Um, and now I believe it's down to 14. And truthfully, I think I would take Penn State and the points. Like, uh, you know, giving the points. Um, I just think Penn State knows who they are. They've got their players playing to their system. They're being coached up. Whereas we're not, we're still trying to figure things out. I think if Penn State was later on in our schedule, after we've tinkered a little bit and we've built that confidence, I think the game could be closer. But right now, if I had to guess, you know, I, I, I'm not very optimistic uh, coming into Saturday. No, I, I, I think it could be a 21 to 28 point loss, especially with the way the offensive lines of Penn State and Illinois have played, where you have a number three overall pick possibly um, with Penn State, and then the woes that Illinois has had against the likes of Toledo and Kansas. So I'm a little concerned. It's up to Aaron Henry and Barry Lenny Jr. and Brett Bielema and uh, getting that council of experts together and trying to scheme a little bit better both offensively and defensively for this big time challenge. Sonny, what do you say we uh, talk to Big Ten Ted about this Illinois-Kansas game and his preview for Illinois and Penn State? Yeah, you know, let's try to get an outsider's perspective. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Big Ten Ted. I try to catch his content on YouTube whenever I can, so I'm excited to have him on. All right, let's get to Big Ten Ted after this quick break. Uh, welcome back into the Illini cast. I'm your host, Austin Berkland, alongside Sonny Verma. 
and we are part of the Big Banter Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us in our first segment. Our second segment, we are with Big Ten Ted. How's it going, Ted? Oh, not too bad. How are you guys in Illini country? We've been uh, better. licking our wounds. After, yeah, we've been licking our wounds <laughs> since uh, Jalen Daniels and that running game took full advantage of us uh, on Friday evening. But let's start with that Illini-Kansas game. What were your initial impressions of the Illini against a Power 5 conference opponent? Well, Kansas was good. You know, when I heard that Jalen Daniels was going to come back for that game, uh, I started to lean towards the Jayhawks uh, kind of in that matchup. Because when I looked at Illinois, I I looked at Luke Altmaier. He played really good against Toledo. But when I really watched more of that game against the Rockets, I saw Toledo able to, to do some things both in the run game and the pass game. And then I kind of looked at the mobility of the quarterback, and then I kind of remembered it last year in the first half of the year. I was like, oh, yeah, Jalen Daniels has kind of got that guy uh, a little bit as well. So I kind of started to connect some pieces. Um, and this this whole start, you know, you look back at that Kansas game and Toledo, and they've kind of morphed together for me at this point. This has been the surprise of the Big Ten season, I think, for me, is how Illinois, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I really thought we knew they were replacing some things in the secondary but that front seven, and you saw it during that Kansas game, right, to get back to that where Kansas was able to do it on the run. They were able to do it on the uh, passing the football against this Illini secondary as well. You can certainly tell, and that Kansas game, I think, exposed that Illini certainly have some work to do to shore up some holes on that defense. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Austin and I were two of the more optimistic Illini fans you would have found on Twitter. I think Austin had winning 10 games. I had us winning nine games. Had we known that the our lines were going to be as weak as they performed the first two weeks, you know, we would have definitely settled down with our uh, predictions. Like that's been the most surprising part for me, like especially having a Brett Beal in the team. Um, I knew secondary wise, we had a really young team back there and a young talent, but I really trusted our offensive line and our defensive line to carry us. And really, they haven't been. And that's kind of why I think we're at one and one right now. Well, yeah, you talk about those lines um, for a minute. And I kind of mentioned this uh, in a few things I've done uh, on the on my channel since the since the Kansas game. And Brett Bielema seems to be kind of out of his comfort zone, right? And where he's at as a team, like the lines, the trenches don't look great. Um, you don't have really a great bell cow running back like we had in Chase Brown the last few years. You, your best threat on offense seems to be Luke Altmaier throwing or scrambling and running around. You kind of add all those pieces together, and this is not how Brett Bielema wants to play. Like, you know, going back to his days at Wisconsin, great running game, great lines, great defense. And that just isn't and, – and he's kind of got a – kind of try to shuffle around the puzzle pieces a little bit uh, to try to put it all together and kind of going, like I said, going outside of the comfort zone um, a little bit and, uh, you know, going outside of Bielema ball. Um, but, yeah, that, that's certainly one thing. You know, I know we're going to talk about the Penn State game, but that, that's certainly something that they got to shore up is the interior. We know a Bielema team is built from the inside out, right? He is a traditional – he has that traditional Big Ten mindset, three yards in a cloud of dust, physicality, bring your lunch pail to work, uh, that kind of mindset. And, you know, we know Penn State is going to be a really good challenge. We know they're uh, pretty good up front and, well, they're pretty good everywhere. Uh, But now when you start getting into some of these Big Ten West games kind of down the stretch, when you get into the Iowas, when you get into the Minnesotas, when you get into those games, the trenches, they got to be sure enough by the time uh, they get into that slate. Uh, Looking at Luke Altmaier, where do you think he compares to other Big Ten West quarterbacks that you've seen? Oh boy, I think he's towards the top. I really do because this this is such a fun topic to talk about. <laughs> because <laughs> I believe the new guys, Card at Purdue and Altmaier at Illinois, might might be sitting right towards the top. Because I, I know Tanner Mordecai has been thrown in there, but he's been uh, he's kind of turned the football over. Right, he threw you a couple of threw a couple of picks against Buffalo, fumbles. Um, in this last game against Washington State. And uh, when you talk about turnovers, of course, you got to throw in Jeff Sims uh, at Nebraska. You kind of keep going down uh, the West Division. Like you look at the flag, if I can point the right direction, you look at the flag behind me for those of us uh, on video, and then you kind of start to check off some boxes. Cade McNamara hasn't looked outstanding, although he's definitely an upgrade over what Iowa had. 
I think it's Hudson Card, and I think it's Luke Altmaier. And right now, I think Altmaier's playing just a scotch better uh, than Hudson Card. You've really seen the talent that Altmaier has. And if you'd follow recruiting, you know, like I did, four-star guy at Ole Miss, uh, kind of missed out on the Ole Miss quarterback job in a competitive quarterback room. And now, kind of like Hudson Card, right? Now... He's got 100% support of that coaching staff. You really see what talent there is. I think for my money, he's probably number one um, in the Big Ten West with maybe Hudson Card uh, just a notch below him right now. He's their chance. I've said this on Twitter and a couple of other platforms here in the first uh, couple of games. Illinois is Luke Altmaier. Luke Altmaier is Illinois. He is going to take them as far as he can humanly take them until his shoulders kind of give out from, from maybe carrying around this offense. Which is odd just to think about a Brett Bielema team. I know. <laughs> you're saying, you know, your quarterback, you're fine with. It's yep. your line and your running backs yep. that you got to figure out. It's, uh, you know, not exactly too character to a Brett Bielema team. But, Ted, I got a question for you. Am I crazy for still thinking we can win seven, eight games? As you kind of alluded to earlier, we saw Toledo, we saw Kansas. Those are really, really tough matchups for a brand new DC. We're not going to run into that. Well, I mean, okay, outside this week, of course, yeah, Penn State probably won't turn out too well for us. But when it comes to the other other teams in the Big Ten West, nobody's outperforming. No one's jumping away from the rest of the pack. Iowa, maybe, sure. But it's not like they're pulling their uh, teams out either. They're playing Iowa ball. And we beat Iowa at Iowa ball last yeah. year. So, I, I don't know, maybe it's just me drinking the orange and blue Kool-Aid. I, I just... I have faith that we can make some of the adjustments and the game planning moving forward will be towards teams that better align with what we're strongly suited for. So, yeah, we may not win nine, but I still think we're capable of winning eight and I still see us winning at least seven. If there's one fan base that should know about the craziness of the wild, wild west in the Big Ten, it's Illinois. Right, Illinois kind of had a strong a stranglehold on it. They were ahead by maybe a game or two kind of late in the season. And then at the end, right, we had that four-way tie with a couple of weeks to go. And, of course, it was Purdue um, ended up because of that, that head-to-head um, ended up going to Indianapolis in the Big Ten Championship game. I think we're going to see that again, and I think it's going to be wilder, right, because Purdue, they're going to get better. Uh Like Nebraska, all you got to do is not turn the ball over four times a game and they might be able to get better as well. Their defense looks very much improved. Illinois is going to be in the mix. Illinois is going to be in the mix. We know their front seven is good. It's just for whatever reason, it just hasn't meshed well with the secondary. That's the big thing. You get maybe Matthew Bailey back in that secondary. Maybe things get a little bit better. This is far from over. You got one non-conference loss. Now, Penn State, you said, obviously, probably is not going to go very well. But you don't play Michigan on the schedule. You don't play Ohio State um, on the schedule as well. So that uh, kind of steers into your favor as well. I, I definitely agree with that. I think Illinois can remain in this race, but but we know the games they got to win. They got Purdue fairly early um, on the schedule as well. That's going to be a big one for me. I think it's going to be a big one for both teams. That could maybe be one that Purdue has to win to get to bowl eligibility once all is said and done because they have a more difficult schedule, right? Because they have uh, the Wolverines and the Buckeyes um, on the schedule. But that's going to be a big swing game for me. If Illinois can get past that, okay, then maybe they can build some momentum. Uh, but if Purdue is able to knock off Illinois – then uh, not so much maybe uh, for the Illini. But they are definitely in this. They got to figure out their tr- the trenches. They got to figure out the line. They got to figure out in the running game. Because when, obviously, when Chase Brown uh, moved on, you had Reggie Love, you had Josh McCray. And Josh McCray had a decent season a couple of years ago, right? 500-something yards uh, or, or something like that for, for the Illini. I thought my initial thought was go into the portal and get a running back. And they never did. Um and I think that when all is said and done this season, they might they might regret that move a little bit because they need more talent in the backfield. Hopefully someone can step up. My point is hopefully someone can step up um, here down the road for the Illini uh, at that position. So if they sure up some of these areas, they're going to be they're going to be in the race. Toledo and um, and Kansas is only rivaled by probably Nebraska's Minnesota and Colorado as the toughest two game stretch so far in this conference. So they're going to be prepared. They know what it takes to battle good teams, which there's something to be said about that. So 
it's not quite time to yet push the the largest of panic buttons right now is there concern absolutely in multiple areas absolutely but this is still a team that last year proved that they can win some of these west division games we talked about luke altmeyer and where his ranking was in the big 10 west on the other side of this upcoming week's matchup against uh drew aller where does he rank in terms of the nation in terms of quarterback play in your opinion Luke Altmaier, or are you talking about Aller? Drew Aller. Uh, Aller. Yeah, oh, Aller's. Uh, when you look at the one, I, first I'm going to start with the Big Ten and kind of branch off from there. It's McCarthy and Aller, um, I believe, are the, are, are the best in the conference. Um, I think they've separated themselves from Talia Tungavailoa uh, just a little bit. You look at Leah and kind of the throws that he made that scratched your head a little bit against Charlotte uh, this past weekend. They've separated themselves. Now you go out into all of college football. I kind of, when I compare quarterbacks, I say the Pac-12 is kind of in a class by itself when you've got Caleb Williams and Bo Nix and, and Michael Penix and DJU and Shadur Sanders and Cameron Rising and Cam Ward. I could go on and on and on for Pac-12 quarterbacks. I think that's definitely the class out there. Um, is Drew Aller on that level? Uh, Caleb Williams is definitely better. You look at Drake May out in the ACC. I think that's a different level than where Drew is right now. He's played two football games against West Virginia and against Delaware. This weekend is his first true test. Now, can he get to that level? Sure. But I don't know if we're ever going to really see him maybe have the opportunity, should I say, because the Pac-12, they really like to focus and they, they like to focus on the pass game. They throw it around. No question about that. When you got Nick Singleton and Katron Allen in the backfield, kind of like JJ, right? When you got Blake and uh, Donovan Edwards back there, you're still going to invest in the run game and you're not going to throw it as much. Even though both of these guys, JJ and Drew, are throwing at something like 75, 80% completion so far. <laughs> They've been extremely efficient, um, which is crazy. So is Drew good? I'd maybe throw him just off the top of my head, top 10, top 15, somewhere in there in the country right now. When all is said and done at the end of the season, I could maybe see him definitely in that top 10. Having said that, how do you see this weekend going for the Illinois fans? Well, um, I kind of mentioned this in my preview um, on the channel today. For Illinois, it starts up front. It starts with the defensive line. Can Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph do something they haven't really done so far this season? I know Johnny Newton had a couple of sacks against Kansas, but they need to generate a pass rush of some point. That seems to be the first thing that you need to dial in on. You need to, you need to make Drew Aller a little bit uncomfortable. Where um, Daquan Finn and Jalen Daniels, I think, had success early on is when they were to, when they were able to attack that Illinois secondary early. Because now, when you're able to get that confidence going over the top, you mix in the run game. Now you can do all sorts of things with with play action um, and, and all of that. I think it's going to be a big challenge. I think Penn State is as good as it gets as a team in, in college football. I mentioned where Drew Aller maybe sits from the quarterback position. As a team, I don't know if there's any weaknesses. Right, the one that maybe maybe Illinois could have the opportunity to exploit. You look at what West Virginia did. They had a great center up front in Zach Frazier, CJ Donaldson at running back. They kind of ran the football up the middle, moved the ball a little bit on Penn State in the interior run game. And I mentioned this in my preview today. That's maybe one area that Illinois could exploit if they had the personnel, right? Their O-line, iffy so far. Reggie Love and Josh McCray doesn't really strike fear uh, into a lot of opposing run games right now. I, I just don't know if they have the personnel in key situations because Penn State's been able to throw the ball a lot more this season. Look at the secondary back there, what's happening for Illinois. I already mentioned uh, the interior uh, run game as well for the Illini. I just think there's a mismatch in a couple of different areas right now. It seems to me pass rush, create some turnovers, force some fumbles early, and then it's the Lukey Altmaier show and see what he can do. See if he can make things happen with his legs. See if he can make a play over the top. It's going to be, I mean, and then you look at Kalen King and Johnny Dixon, maybe the best one, two cornerback tandem, the very least the big 10, maybe, maybe in all, all the country. So you look at these wide receivers, maybe get Isaiah Williams involved in a couple of different ways, not just the pass game, maybe get him on some, some sweeps, maybe get him on the run game a little bit, right? It's just, I think you got to get a little bit creative uh, with this offense. One thing Luke Altmaier has been able to show that he's been able to do is carry this team on his back, come up in big 
key clutch situations. Can he do that if we get ourselves into a battle late in the game? That remains to be seen, but this is a, it's a very, very tall task for the Illini. There was some broken coverages against uh, Jalen Daniels and that Kansas team, and the Kansas receivers took advantage. What is the receiving situation like for Penn State going into Saturday? Oh, boy, Penn State. That was kind of one question mark coming into this season for the Nittany Lions. We know about Singleton. We know about Allen. We know the run game. Got that box checked. Um, what about the wide receivers? Keandre Lambert-Smith has kind of been on the depth chart, hanging around for a few years. And what we found out in the Rose Bowl and what we found out early in this season is he's the number one guy. There's no doubt about it. He is the number one guy. And the great thing about him, he is a deep threat uh, down the field. Proved it in the Rose Bowl against Utah, and he's proved it in the first couple of games uh, this season. So you got to watch out for him, for him Harrison Wallace, um, as well on the outside. Uh, Malik McLean is a transfer from Florida State. That's kind of come on and kind of filling into that number three, number four role a little bit. They've got... KLS, I think he's their number one guy. And then a lot of solid to good wide receivers. Don't forget about their tight ends as well. This is this is a group that's very good. In a conference full of good tight ends, the combination of Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson uh, is both really, really good. So I believe Penn State is in a situation where they have solid to good talent at tight end and wide receiver. But it's Drew Aller that makes them better. He, he is so accurate. He's so precise. Uh, with his throws. I think he throws people open uh, a lot of times and, and makes everybody on the outside uh, better. Seem to be not exactly exuding some confidence in me for Saturday. So let me say, you seem to be very high on Penn State, you know, well-deserved. Mm -hmm. Do you think they come out of the Big Ten this year? Oof, uh, they got a shot. Uh, I feel a lot better about them now. And, you know, it is West Virginia and Delaware. I get that. But I feel a lot better about them now than I did three or four weeks ago, right before we started playing football. Um, I feel I feel Michigan and Penn State, right? I'm not a big power rankings guy, but if I were, I'd put 1A and 1B, Michigan and Penn State. Flip a coin and put whoever first. Uh, to me, they've both been awfully impressive. Like I, I talked about JJ and Drew, just the sheer efficiency that they've had throwing the football. Ohio State, I got a little bit notched below, right? We've seen Kyle McCord kind of had to be worked in a little bit uh, that first game against Indiana. Of course, he started to get things together against FCS Youngstown State. Last week, I think it's going to take a little bit longer for Ohio State. That Notre Dame game is going to be a prove-it game for me. If they go on the road to South Bend and get get out of there with a big-time W, then I think you can throw them in the conversation. But I said at the beginning of the year, flip a three-sided coin because Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan are both are all Big Ten championship contenders. They're all college football playoff uh contenders right now i just i'm feeling a little bit stronger about michigan and about penn state for me i i lean a little bit towards the wolverines because they've been there and done that the last two years um especially at the playoff level and really throughout the uh, the big 10 level for penn state remember you got to throughout the james franklin era you got to go back to two remember 2016 that big 10 championship uh, kind of year where they got a blocked field goal, remember, that that led, I think, that was returned back for a touchdown. And that's how they ended up beating Ohio State. That same year, they ended up getting dominated by Michigan as well that season. Since then, they haven't done well uh, against Ohio State and against Michigan. For me, I got to say, you got to go out there and prove it. You got to beat one of these teams before I can really, uh, before I can really say, yep, yeah, this is a team that could definitely win the Big Ten. So right now, I'd probably say Michigan um, right now is in that prime spot. But, hey, at the beginning of the year, I predicted all three of these teams to go at 11-1 and one and all beat each other. And who knows? Maybe if we get chaos, maybe we'll get all three of them in the playoff. I, I know that that is, is far-fetched. Um, I get that. But I'm hoping uh, we at least get two. Uh, final one for me, at least. Uh, what is your impression of Brett and his impact uh, at Illinois? And a large picture, and not just the micro of how this one and one season has gone. Oh boy, uh, for, for for Brett Bielema at Illinois, I really think you. Know, before he came in, uh, this was an Illinois program that, at least you know, under guys like Tim Beckman and Lovey Smith, that uh, was kind of the doormat uh, of the conference, right? This was a program that was down for a long time. Sure, they got some wins here and there, uh, but this was a program that was down. Brett Bielema instantly came in 
and and installed Burt Ball, right? He installed a physical mindset. Maybe this year it's not going the way we think. But if you kind of look back at his first couple of years on campus, that first year, you really saw a lot of improvements going back to the first time, or I should say the last time Penn State and Illinois met each other in in nine overtimes, I believe it was, uh, out there in Happy Valley. Uh, But you've just seen the culture change. You've seen just this team look a lot different uh, than it was before. And I've always said this, Brett Bielema was put on this earth to do one thing and one thing only, coach Big Ten football. And here he is coaching Illinois and look what's happened since he's been here. It's a, he had like that last season's team, I believe when you look at talent wise, Illinois was the best team in the Big Ten West. I said that for the last month and a half or so, and it just it just uh, bounces the ball uh, didn't go their way. I thought that maybe should have been like a nine and three, maybe, who knows, maybe a ten and two type of team. I was really high on Illinois last season, but Brett Bielema has done a tremendous job getting Illinois back to where they believe they should be. Now, although that's happening now, the, the thing for a program like Illinois and Brett is how is he going to adjust now? When you got four. R- really good to good West Coast teams coming in. What's now, and no divisions, right? No Big Ten West to kind of fight over anymore. What's going to be the expectation? That goes not just for Illinois, but for a lot of the Iowa's, Minnesota's, Wisconsin's uh, teams like that. But Brett Bielema has certainly installed a tough, hard-nosed culture in Illinois. And growing up as a Midwest Big Ten fan, um, I love that. I love what he's done. I grew up as a Wisconsin fan uh, when he was, you know, winning uh, multiple Big Ten titles in a row. So I'm a big fan of Brett Bielema. I'm glad he's back in this league and I'm glad Illinois is doing what they're doing, providing depth to the league. So Brett Bielema is going to do great things. He's going to continue to do great things. It's just a matter of at least this year, trying to win some of those close West division games. Well, someone who will not be doing great things in the big 10 for the foreseeable future is Mel Tucker and that whole Michigan state situation. Now, you know, Obviously, the facts aren't all out about it, so we don't mm-hmm. actually have to comment about what's going on there. But from Michigan State standpoint, what kind of coach do you think that program needs right now? Do you think they need a program builder, or do you think they can go after someone who's younger and you know uh, ready to um, like a Jim Leonard type is who I brought up earlier. Yeah, we got to wait and see to see what happens with Mel. Obviously, he came out with his statement today um, saying all this stuff is false. So, uh, and, and then it, who knows? Things could get messy is what, is what I'm trying to say. But if they do move on from Mel Tucker, uh, that's, a, that's a great question. I think one thing Michigan State needs right now is they don't need any more scandals, right? You go back to 2017, 18 uh, with the Nasser and gymnastics situation and, and then hear what you have now. They need to clean up this. They need some positive karma coming out of this if they do decide to move on um, from Mel Tucker. Jim Leonard um, is is a good one um, as well. That That's that's one to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's a great question. One that I honestly hadn't really thought over uh, a ton, but you know, you kind of need to take a look at where you're at. Where does Michigan state view themselves as a program? Right? Because a couple of years back when they won 11 games, I think a lot of Sparty fans is like, okay, now we just beat Michigan. We won 11 games. We won a new year's six game, right? We should be at that same level as a Penn state, as a Michigan, maybe even and Ohio State, or maybe just a notch below them, but then you could drive drop back to five and seven. I thought this year was kind of you were really going to find out where Michigan State really sat, highest of high, the lowest of lows, right? The the first couple of seasons for Mel Tucker. So if they do move on and if they do bring in a head coach, they gotta they gotta the administration has to clearly identify the expectations. Okay, is this a team? Are you willing to invest? Uh, in your coach and in your program enough to get them to the next level, um, to get them back to that level, that 10 win level, especially an expanded big 10 with USC, Oregon, Washington, UCLA, some good programs out West coming in. So they've got to figure that out in house. Um, if they have aspirations to be, and they want to invest the money to, to go all the way to the top, they're going to get someone, uh, Oh, with all due respect to Jim Leonard, they're going to get someone b- better or at least more experienced at the head coaching level uh, than Jim Leonard and maybe try to snag someone away, right? Because they, remember, they paid Mel Tucker $9 million a year. They backed up the Brinks truck and say, Mel, here's a blank check, sign it. So that they've proven that, maybe to answer my own question, they've proven that they can invest in money into this program, invest into this head coach. 
So then who do you steal? I think you'd have to, I'd have to start kind of thinking of some names out there, but it all depends on where this administration truly views and truly wants this program to go. Ed, I know you have a hard out, so give us where you can find your show and uh, find you on social media. Yeah, Big Ten Ted um, on YouTube as well, doing all sorts of game previews, game reactions, this kind of area. I like to do one live stream um, a week with some fan interaction as well, at Big Ten Ted uh, over there um, uh, on Twitter. So that's where you can kind of kind of find me uh, these days. It's busy. It's football season. Uh, I love it. I'm so glad it's back. Uh, I was so sick of talking about realignment and academics and money and TV. I'm just so glad football is back and, and I get to talk about ball again with, uh, on my channel and on podcasts like this. Ted, thank you so much for your time on the Illini cast. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ted. That was Big Ten Ted. What a great show. What a great interview. And... My goodness, we still have one more episode to go this week. Sonny, this is uh, crazy. We are in week three of the college football calendar. It's, it's wild. It's wild, but I think it's going to get a little more wild. We're not done yet. Um, we'll see how we do. You know, the, the Saturday, I may not be as optimistic as I was a couple weeks ago. But you know what? Who knows? I didn't think the first two games were going to be as close as they were. So maybe we can surprise a couple of people. Yes. Uh, I mean, it started off angry and I'm thankful for Ted that he calmed me down just a little bit in between segments. So uh, that was the Illini cast powered by the big banter podcast network. And uh, we'll talk to you again this week, Sonny. All right. Awesome. Take care. I and I.